It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hi again, great to be here. Um, I want to share something with you. I know just you and me here, and I want to share something personal, something a little bit embarrassing, but I know you won't tell anybody. But I want to tell you a story that happened to me a couple of the other days. I did the greatest dummy spit you have ever seen. That dummy shot across the room. Now, if you're listening to this from another country, dummy spit, Australian term, basically you act like a baby and you chuck a two-year-old tantrum. Well, I did one of those the other day. It wasn't smart. But I was actually coming to the end of an assignment, assignment that I was supposed to have due to finish off my degree, which was a postgraduate. I had one more assignment to do. I'd planned it. I'd thought about it. I'd planned it out for weeks. I'd put hours, probably about 20 hours, into this assignment. And I wanted to get it finished before I went away because I was going away on the weekend with my wife. And I wanted to get this assignment finished. I couldn't do it, eh? I couldn't do it. My brain just locked up. I had I had assignment block. I had head block. I had bowel block. It was just nothing was happening. I was just struggling. And I spoke to some friends who are pretty smart, much smarter than I, and they tried to help me. Didn't work. And I sat there at 12.30 at night, the night before I'm about to go away, and I got nothing. And I sat on the floor in my office and I just went for it. I went, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. I can't do this. I'm hopeless. I'm useless. It's just, I'm not a studier. And I got my laptop and I did the most amazing crafted email to my lecturer. Basically said, mate, I don't care. I'm not handing this assignment in. I'm going to fail. I always fail. So it doesn't matter. And I don't need a piece of paper anyway. And I learned enough. And you've taken away my love of the Bible. And, and I just, I'm dyslexic anyway. So what do you expect? And I just wrote this down on an email. Sounds stupid, doesn't it? It definitely was a tantrum. And I pressed that send button and I sent it. Mate. It was like the demons had left me. I was a new man. I was born again. I was fresh. And I went, I feel so good. I went away for the weekend, enjoyed the weekend with my wife. It was our wedding anniversary. We had a great weekend. The pressure had gone. I'd read some scripture again and I loved it. And I was feeling really good. I get home on the Monday opened up my emails and all these emails started shooting through from the college. Steve, are you all right? Steve, what's happening? Are you? And then I had a phone call from my student um, representative who rang me up to say, Steve, I just want to check you're, you're okay. And I said, oh, I'm fine. I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling fantastic. And they said, well, we've spoken to the faculty at the college and they've decided to give you a two-week extension. And I went, I don't want a two-week extension. That's why I just want to stop. I just, I don't want this. Next day, I sat down and I thought, come on, grow up, Steve. I sat at it and I went, you know what? I could do this. And I sat down and I did this assignment. 
end up with a distinction in it, which was a bit crazy. And I go, what was going on in my head? What caused me to get to the place where I would throw away all the study I'd done and not do one assignment because of stuff that was happening in my head? You see, the biggest fight, the biggest battle in life, you know, is not other people. It's what happens up here. It's that battle in the head. It's that battle that, that gets in the way of achieving what we want to achieve. You know, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, it says this. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation because um, it's a little bit different. But it says, and this was written by Paul who was writing to the church in Corinth many, many years ago. He says, For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage war or we don't wage a military campaign. I love that because he was right, he was an army man. He was, a, he was actually a, a commander of a large army in the past. So we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energised with divine power to effectively dismantle the defences behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. But this is the verse. This, this is the sentence which just really helps me. It says, We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the Anointed One. So we're going to continue the series that... Uh, that Mark has been leading you through called Winning the War in the Mind. And today, I just want to share with you those that what we call defeating your negative thoughts. How do we overcome these negative thoughts? These thoughts that, that impact who we are. See, according to research conducted by the National Science Foundation, and I don't know how they did this, I don't know who sat there, but they reckon that we have 80% of our thoughts are negative and we have around 12,000 to 50,000 thoughts a day. Now, who sits there and counts your thoughts? I don't know, but that's what they reckon. Now, there has been some discussion on that. But if we have that many, that many thoughts going through our head and up to 80% of those are negative. And then they say that even the majority of our thoughts, probably 60 to 80% of our thoughts, are all about ourself and who we are. That's a lot of negative thoughts. No wonder we're worn out at the end of the day if you've got that much stuff going on in our head. So how do we overcome these thoughts? I was talking to a, a, a guy that has come through rehab and he has struggled with drug issues in the past and he's gone through his rehab program, maybe not quite yet finished. And he said, Steve, I stood outside this liquor store for 15 to 20 minutes 
I had 20 bucks in my pocket, and I knew that I could walk in that store and purchase a six-pack. I knew I could. But he said, I knew, but my, my argument was going on inside my head. Should I? Shouldn't I? Why not? It's okay. But if I do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably carry on and do more. I'm probably going to drink the whole lot. But that's okay. I've controlled that now. I'm much better. And this whole time, he's got this fight, this battle going on inside his head. But as I talked to him, some of the battle was actually not just about whether he should or shouldn't, but the battle was about himself. Well, I'm just an alcoholic. I'm just a druggie. Why not? That's what I do. And he's fighting these thoughts of perception of who he is and constantly battling with it. You know, that battle that goes in our mind, and it's like a warfare. And here we're told that we've got to take them captured, capture those thoughts, bind them up. Don't let them actually influence who we are. So I want to just have a look at a couple of things I learned from this passage that I think are helpful. And we pick it up out of the book um, that we're following of this same title. And the first thing we have to do is we need to know where these thoughts come from. I was uh, struggling with my own um, issues of, of self-worth and I went and saw a counsellor. And we were sitting down talking and she actually said to me as I was talking about why I couldn't do things, and she stopped and she said, where did that come from? I said, what? She said, those thoughts about always failing and always being, where did that thought come from? You see, the truth is that inside us, we have these thoughts and these ideas that set our direction. Counselors call them cognitive bias. That, that bias that we move towards that are usually built out of incorrect thoughts and ideas that we've picked up over the years. Or if you like, they're like a filter. I was doing some high school seminars some time back and I had these great big yellow glasses that were were um, bright yellow and very thick and they were a little bit distorted. And I would get one of the kids to come up and i say, what do you see? And I'd say, oh, I see people. I said, what's it like? It's bright. I said, now put my glasses on. What do you see? And all of a sudden, the place looks different. And I said, imagine if you went out to, at lunchtime and you walked outside and you put your glasses on and suddenly the whole place looks yellow and you go... Help! It's coming to the end of the world. The place has gone yellow. The place is on fire. I can see yellow and it's not... It sounds a bit crazy, but you see, that's what we do when we put the filters of our past or the filters of information that we have allowed to become part of our thinking, our cognitive approach to life. They become what we see and we look at the world through these filters. So I looked at my world and doing this assignment through this filter. Your filter might be your past. It might be a filter of what your family used to say about you, where you were in your family. And it determines how I see 
everything else. Your filter might be a bad experience that you've had. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe it's a filter of a parents that have, that, uh, have actually influenced um, you from a bad relationship that was toxic and it's impacted who you are. Maybe it's by constantly not being able to achieve. And I wonder if these filters, they start to determine what we can achieve and what we can't achieve. They impact, these filters impact how I relate to others, especially to our spouses or to our children. These filters impact that. These filters impact the decisions that we make. These filters will impact um, how successful we are or how we're not successful. They will impact how we see the news and how we see the world around us. You could have two people in the same situation and yet they will see things differently simply because the filters. In the Old Testament, in the first part of the, the, the scriptures, um, in the book of Numbers we call it, there's a story about Moses. And we know that Moses took the people out of Israel and uh, they took these captives on a long journey and they were starting to get now to just crossing over to the promised land, this great promise that God had said, this is yours. And many of us have been given promises of God of this is your future and it's just on the other side. And Moses decides to send out 12 spies to go and check out the land and see what it's like and see if they could take it. So he sends out the 12 spies and two of them, they came back and they went, this is so good, you want to see the fruit <coughs> over there, it's amazing. You want to see the, the, the land and it's incredible. We, this is ours, this is our promise, we can take this. But two, <coughs> but the 10 came back and they were the opposite. The 10 came back and they said, oh my goodness, you want to see the giants on the other side there. Mate, those giants... They make us look like grasshoppers. In fact, they probably think we are grasshoppers. And he says, and, and all of a sudden, the ten and the two, both in the same place, both seeing the same thing, and yet come back with different reports. Why? Because of the filters. We can see the same thing, but we would see it through our filters, and it will change our perspective, and it will change how we respond to that situation. There was a, two young people, both come from the same family, both from a very dysfunctional family. Um, it was very dysfunctional, very hurtful. And the young boy, it really impacted his life. He, he ended up struggling with um, behaviour. He struggled at school. He got into um, to heavy alcohol and drugs. He started to steal. He was in trouble with the police. And he basically, when you sat down with him, he said, it's because of my past. But I said to him, I said, that's interesting because your past is determined your future, yet tell me about your sister who also had the same past, who also had the same situation. 
Well, she's been to university. She's got a, a great partner now and she's achieving much. I think she was studying sociology and she was doing really, really well and she, had a, she was aiming at a really successful job. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Two people, same upbringing, same background. One allows him to take him down a negative route and the other was a positive. One decided that this is what's going to control my life and the other one said this is what's going to make my life. You can have two people in the same place, but depending on what those filters are determines how they see their opportunities. But the other thing it says here, it says don't just look at the past, but notice what it also says. It says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient. In other words, I want to take control of these thoughts. These thoughts that are determining who I am, determining how I feel, determining my day, determining my relationships. Do you know what? I'm going to take control. I'm going to take control of my thoughts. My counsellor, who I was going to, actually said to me, Steve, let's reframe your thoughts. It's a common terminology about reframing your thoughts. There was a, a friend of mine, we went out one day, we were out in the bush, and uh, he was a photographer, and he loved his photography. And we're standing there looking at this incredible scenery. And all of a sudden, he gets his fingers like this, and he gets his other finger and he starts looking through it. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm just framing my picture. And he says, if you put your frame up, he said, you can see clearly what it is you're going to take. And you can set it up in the way that's going to give you the best picture. You see, what's in your frame is what comes alive. What we put in the frame of that picture is what will come alive in the pictures that we show. And that's the same with our life. You see, if we frame the negative situations in our life, if we look at life through a frame that only sees the negative, then what that does is that the negative comes alive and it becomes part of who we are and it becomes our future and it becomes our decision-making. But what if we could move our frame? slightly and let's frame it differently and instead of looking at what isn't good we look at what is good we look at it differently we take that frame and we move it great example of that is in one of my favorite books of the bible so philippians is a book written by again a guy called paul who was a mighty warrior in the past and now he's a great teacher and he plants lots of churches and uh Paul, at this stage, is writing to a church in Philippi, which was friends of his. He loved this particular church. You can pick it up in the way he writes. But he's writing from a prison jail in Rome. And he, his heart, his desire was to go to Rome and to preach the gospel and see many people come to Jesus. But here he is instead. He's actually in prison. You would go, oh, I wonder if you would write a letter that says, 
oh, look, you know what? The, the government's taken away my opportunities to speak the gospel and life's bad and, and he actually was expecting to die so I'm probably going to be beheaded soon and that's the end of it and the devil's against me and, and life's bad and, and it must be spiritual. And, and I wonder if that may have been your response because I hear that a lot. But see, Paul didn't. He reframed it. He didn't look at it through the frame of what was wrong. He looked at it through what was possible. And this is what he did. Let me read it to you. It comes from Philippians 1, verse 12. It says, I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. Well, that's strange. His intended effect was to stop him from preaching the gospel That's and to tell people about this newfound relationship with God. And he's saying, ah, this prison experience, that's what it's supposed to have done, but it's done the opposite. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. All the soldiers here and everyone else too found out that I'm in jail because of this Messiah. And they became curious. And now Lev learnt all about him. And not only that, but most of the Christians here have become far more sure of themselves in the faith than ever, speaking out fearlessly about God and about the Messiah. <laughs> In other words, what he's saying is, you know what? They tried to stop me, but it didn't work because now I've got these, these prison guards. They have to sit with me eight-hour-day shifts. And whilst they're there, what am I doing? I'm telling them about the gospel. I'm telling them about the Messiah. I have got a captive audience in my jail cell, and I'm going to tell them all about my God. And then he said, not only that, they do ship changes. And then comes another set. And on top of that, because of this, other believers in town are hearing about this and they're getting excited about the gospel and they're thinking, well, if you can do that, I can do that. So instead of squashing his assignment, it actually multiplied his opportunity. He looked at it differently. He changed his perspective. He changed his filter. He changed his framing and he took control of his thoughts and said, let's look at this in the positive. Let's look at this from a different point of view. You know what we can do to help us reframe those negative thoughts that when we're in a situation and we think, ah, oh, this is so bad. First thing is, thank God. Thank God. I've, I've had people come to me when I've been in difficult places. Oh, but Steve, it's such a good thing. I go, no, it's not. But we need to go, actually, no, I will thank God because God is the one that has, a, has been with me through this. And I, if I could thank God, I could turn the perspective and start thanking God. You see, Paul said this in the same book. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He was in a prison once and he started rejoicing and the chains fell off him because he praised God rather than complaining to God. He praised God rather than looking at, oh no, it's, it's a problem. If we learn to thank God first. The other thing is start to pre-frame. 
When you get up in the morning, oh, it's going to be a cold day. It's going to be a bad day. It's going to be, start going, here's another opportunity. I've got air in my lungs. I've got opportunity ahead of me. Today is a new day. And we start to pre-frame. Expect the positive. Don't expect the negative. Expect opportunity. And the last one is look for, good, for, for God's goodness everywhere. We used to say, look for Jesus' sightings. In your day, look for where God is being and doing great things. Reframe. Look at it differently. We're about to go away on a big camping trip. It's uh, going to be driving across 3,000 kilometres on dirt road across the centre of Australia um, tomorrow. And I was getting all, all ready and uh, I got my camper all sorted out. I got the wheels on and uh, I went down to get the wheels aligned and I'm driving down the street down Lesmurdy Road where, near where I live and one kilometre, two kilometres away, the wheel falls off. In fact, the wheels fell off everything. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh no, well, how am I going to do this? And, and someone comes along and said, but Steve, aren't you glad it only happened two kilometres away from your house? That's a good point. Wouldn't want to have it out in the middle of nowhere. Good point. Steve, what, this, is, this is great because I met you people who came to help me and now they've become good friends of mine. Good point. Hey, do you know what? You've got an opportunity here to learn more. Good point. What if we looked at things from a different set of eyes, from a different frame point? Look for the goodness. But I want to just finish off with one more thought. What if we were to really allow God, through the Holy Spirit, to actually truly renew our minds like the Bible tells us he wants to do? See, it says here, the mind in Romans 8, 6, again written by Paul from Rome, he says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. What if we allowed the Holy Spirit to actually become part of and renew our minds, that we might have a spirit of life and peace? What if we were to say, Holy Spirit, come into me, come into my mind. May I see with Holy Spirit eyes, not mine. It's a bit like, the little boy who's with his dad and they're out in the bush and dad looks up into this big blue sky and he says to his son, look up there, can you see it? Can you see it? And his son's saying, what can I see? There's nothing up there, dad. It's just empty blue sky. Now look, 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 look. There's an eagle and the boy's looking up there and he can't see it and he goes, I can't see it, dad. And he's getting frustrated because he cannot see it. He cannot see this eagle and dad's getting excited. Look how big that eagle is. Can't you see it? And the son's going, dad, I can't see it. So his dad says, come over here. Come next to me. So the little boy comes and stands next to his dad. And, uh, and as he's standing next to his dad, he lifts his head up and he sort of follows up to see where his dad's looking and he starts to point his head in the same way his dad's looking. And then he follows his dad's hand up into the sky and sees where the finger is pointing and then he follows it and all of a sudden he can see the eagle in the sky. You know the opportunity for us is to, especially when our mind is battling, 
with negative thoughts, when our mind is battling about who we are and what, and, and what we can't achieve, if we were to step alongside the Father God and actually ask to look and see with his eyes, we see great possibilities. We see great eagles in the skies. We start to, the, the things of earth will grow strangely dim, it says in the old song. If we could actually look in, up into the sky to see a God who is so much greater. You know, until I was 21, I would not have spoken to anybody. I was an introvert. I was quiet. I struggled with reading. I struggled with writing. And you know, when God came into my life, all of a sudden he's put me in front of audiences that have been thousands of thousands large. And that's not because of who I am. It's because the Father God took my mind and started to help me see the possibilities that happens when we stand alongside a father who says, don't look from your past, but look into your future alongside a God who is so big and he's so great and he can do all things and he loves you and he thinks that you're okay and he knows that you are, you are made and perfectly formed. That's the image of God of you. Stand alongside him and get rid of those negative thoughts. Take them captive and then control them in a way that points you forward to being in a place where God's designed you to be. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.